Welcome to Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss Season 4, Episode 13 of Farscape. Terra Firma. So, as Will Smith once said, we have been welcomed to Earth. Okay. So, um, this episode's amazing. I just, like, not to, not to, uh, I'm not gonna bury the lead here. This is a great episode. I feel like this episode brings John's journey kind of, like, full circle we talked a lot in early episodes about how it's there's so much father issues here. Mm. And here it's the very millennial problem of leaving home for four years, coming home and finding out that Fox News has totally ruined your dad's mind. Yeah, this is this is actually something John's been worried about for a while, mm-hmm. which is that he can't just be an Earth guy anymore. A thing that's interesting and that is very much kind of um, the trope reality writes the plot is that John's been worried I've been through so much it's changed me how will I how will I function on earth and what he didn't know is America has changed so much because between when John got shot through a wormhole and now was September 11th 2001 yeah. Which this episode brings up. John asks his dad, when did you become such a, like, jingoistic, nationalistic dickwad? And his dad's like, September 11th. All right, so let's get into it. Yeah, let's get into it. So, the last episode, John was in the past, and... He did not do any past nastification. Although Chiana did. did, he had sex with Chiana! Or, I guess Chiana... Chiana had sex with past John. John did not have the nasty in the pasty. Chiana did, though. Yes. Wait, John... John did, but John did not specifically present, go back... Present, present John did not have... You know, tenses are weird with time travel. Yes. Present John had no nasty in the pasty. Actually, past John didn't have nasty in the pasty. For him, it was nasty in the present. That's what I'm saying. Tenses are weird with time travel. This is all a Futurama reference, by the way. I don't generally refer to sex as nasty. nasty. Yeah. But it turns out it was all predestination paradox, so everything is fine. But when John returns to the present and disembarks, we have that awesome hero shot where he comes down. Out of Lola and sees his dad and a bunch of FBI agents, you know, on the ship. So John pulls his pulse pistol and asks his dad, was it a trout or a bass? And his dad's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Why would he have any context for that? But it doesn't matter because that's where the episode ended. We literally pick up right at that moment. And Sakozu's like, John, chill. We checked. They're humans. It's your dad. We ran the DNA. He is the father. Okay. Wouldn't the bigger worry at this moment be that this isn't the real Sokozu? I mean, come on, John. I didn't even, literally, literally never even crossed my mind. Like, I mean, he he believes her. He's like, oh, okay. But I'm like, I would just assume that I was back in the video game. Except not because Sokozu wasn't in the video game. But, like, there's a lot of people who've been messing with John's brain. I mean, if you're John, at some point you must have to just decide, I'm going to accept that this is reality. Otherwise, how do you live? That's the thing, right? It could all be a video game, but it's consensus reality at this point. So, yes, John accepts that this is his father and that he is truly back on Earth. Yes, or at least orbiting it. Jack tells him what happened, and I'm like, I, a lot of cool stuff happened that we didn't get to see. Specifically... You know, 
they're on Earth. Ayasa sees that the, an alien ship comes through a wormhole. They're like, holy crap, it's a wormhole. It's an alien ship. They send up, like, a shuttle to try to intercept it. The shuttle manages to land on Moya, and Sakozu's like, hey, I speak English, and also your son is here. I mean, he's not right here, but he's on his way back. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. There's so, one, of, one of the FBI guys. I know it's not. Like, it's very obviously not. But he looks kind of like the guy who plays Jerry on Rick and Morty and Dr. Uh, oh my god, I know it was driving me crazy. Because I know it's not him. He looks different enough, but I'm like, are they related maybe? Or? I don't know. I should have looked it up. I should have looked it up. So. Aliens are coming to Earth. Yes. And all the government guys and Jack, who is also a government guy, but they're all really excited to have met Sokozu. They're like, oh my god, a real live alien. And John's like, oh, if you're excited about Sakozu, a person who's basically just a human woman with red hair and, like, some dots, hold, hold on to your asses, people. Gonna, hold on to your Iassa. I'm going to bring out all of my friends by level of alienness. <laughs> right, Aaron comes out first, and they're like, that's just a human. That's just a woman. That's just a woman you got there. And then it's Gianna. Okay, pale woman. Very pale woman. And then, of course, Dargo and Naranti and Rigel. Shouldn't Aranti have been before Chiana? He isn't actually bringing the matter yeah, in order yeah, of weirdness, yeah. Max. That's just something you said. That's true. That's true. But should Naranti be before Chiana? No, Chiana looks less different from, like, human baseline than Naranti. Yeah, it's, it, if we're talking about order of, like, order of, like, rock your socks, it's going to be Aaron, Chiana... Naranti, Dargo, Rigel. Pilot. I know, Pilot can't leave his... Uh... Pilot doesn't... Pilot is sir not appearing in this episode. He is. I guess Lanny Tupu needed a week off. I guess so. So, John's writing in his secret diary okay, on so... the dock. No, okay, there's this really weird thing. The, the whole first half of the episode is John's narration. I mean... According to the script for this episode, they land in the fall, and then this episode goes all the way up till... Okay, I was going to save this reveal, but... All the way up to Christmas Eve, because y'all, it's a Christmas episode! Anyway... In the same way Die Hard's a Christmas movie. So the diary is, like, to get us up to speed on what happened during those two to three months. And the weird thing about this episode is, I know... I, I know what happens to that diary, and I thought it happened at the end of this episode... But now I'm thinking about it, and I think that diary doesn't come back until Peacekeeper Wars. Wow. But, I mean, we're on episode 13, so the Peacekeeper Wars aren't that far away. So this doc really reminds me of the doc that he was having a conversation with his Scorpius dad mm-hmm. with in the, like, future where the Scarens took over Earth vision. It almost certainly was the same doc, both in the kind of... But both in that it's probably where they shot it, and also that... that alternate timeline john probably lived in florida it was probably the same doc i don't feel like there are docs that look like that in florida i mean this obviously filmed in australia not florida but certainly certainly not anywhere near cape canaveral there are are not docs like that but you know whatever 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 (laughs) looks a little new englandy but i guess they could be a lot of places yeah but apparently not florida so Everyone is doing varying levels of well on Earth. 
But they are all being confined to this very nice John says house, but they're all kind of being kept there so they can be observed. At least it's a gilded cage. Yes. We also get a little shot of John trying to show the government people how to work a pulse pistol, and they absolutely cannot do it. They're, like, terrible at using space tech. Some of the UN officials get translator microbes, and John's like, but... Being able to understand aliens doesn't help them out much if they're still acting like fucking, fucking dickwads. Because one of them goes up and tries to touch Lola and gets a shock. Like L- Lola Dargo ship. Right, and it's like, why would you do that? What 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 is your best case scenario trying to go up and randomly touch an alien ship? I would think cancer. This is one of those things I would think would give you cancer. It kind of reminds me of the. I think it was the. Now I'm not remembering what comic book it's from, but it's a comic book that involves a lot of, like, artifact exploration. And, like, I shouldn't have to say, don't run up and grab the the unknown alien artifact. You're a, they're a scientist. I thought you were going to reference Lex Luthor getting cancer because he's been keeping kryptonite next to his nards for, like, 20-odd years. I was not going to reference that. Like, yeah. Yeah, it turns out that the radiation that hurts the alien is probably not great for you either. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, speaking of aliens, Aaron is becoming friends with John's sister, which I kind of love. Like, John's sister is so Team Aaron in the uh, upcoming love triangle. She brings Aaron a bunch of Earth clothes and is like, here's some Earth clothes to get you comfortable. Okay, so John has a whole wacky family in this episode for some reason. Okay, first of all, we met his sister last episode. Yeah, for the first time. He's been in space! We met his sister for the first time, and now he has a cousin, a boy cousin. Why wasn't this just his nephew? Wouldn't that have made more sense? Yeah, it would have made way more sense for it to be his sister's kid. But no, it's some random cousin, Billy Everyteen. It's Cousin Bobby. Cousin Bobby is there specifically because he's making a little documentary about the aliens so that, you know, he can get lots of footage of the aliens. And More they can... like a documentary about Chiana's boobs. I'm sorry, Sokozu's boobs. Uh, hey, hey, he is an equal opportunity boob man. I do want to point out that in this episode, a lot of the things that John worried about in his vision in Dog with Two Bones are coming to pass. So, like, Chiana just wants to go out and bang everyone, which is what this is in his vision. And Aaron, we will see, does not adapt well to Earth. And there's even a scene where she's talking to Jack about what it means, like, what her relationship with John means now that he's back on Earth, which also happened in John's vision in Dog with Two Bones. So. Yeah. Dar- yeah. Dargo is not getting laid left, right, and center, though, unlike in that episode. If they weren't confining him to that house, he would be. You have a lot of faith in uh, the monster fucker population of Florida. Uh, well, I mean, I can't speak to all of the monster fuckers, but I can say that I personally lived in Florida during the time period that this episode takes <laughs> place in, and I would have been down to clown with Dargo. Would have been, would be, am. Oof. Yeah, have fun with that. He seems like a crier. I love that that's where you went with that. Okay. Oh, oh, you think he's not going to yell out his dead wife's name at moment of climax? Jesus Christ! Yeah! This is what this Farscape podcast is bringing you. 
Naranchi and Rigel are really loving Earth because they love all eating. Earth food. Yeah, including like eating unpopped popcorn kernels and shit like that. So, John is talking to the Earth guy who is not... I keep wanting to say Ed Helms. That's not his name, though. It's... No, Ed Helms is Andy from The Office. I know, I know. I always get them mixed up. Yeah, I his name is right on the tip of my brain, too. I'm going to remember it the second we end this. No, I gotta look it up. Okay, I had to look it up because it was going to bug me. It's Chris Parnell. One of the Hollywood Chris's. What a we? I, I guess that... I, I guess... I, I guess that's te- technically accurate. God, who would I cast him as in a Marvel property? Ooh, okay. Who who would Chris Parnell be in a in a Marvel in the MCU? <laughs> okay, I have an answer. Um, you, oh, okay, oh, I want to oh, hear your answer. Who's your? Well, I was just gonna say it's a shame that they kind of went a different way with it because if they hadn't gone a different way with it. I could kind of see Chris Parnell being Hank Pym. Oh, that would have been really good, actually. Yeah. But but they they totally kind of swerved on that. Yeah. I mean. You have to, because Hank Pym is just not a likable character. Uh, Patrick Wilson, by the way, is my brain image of uh, Hank Pym. That is so, I mean, as, as evidenced by the fact that I said Chris Parnell, that is so different from how I imagine Hank Pym. Okay. You know, handsome, but in a kind of creepy way. Oh, I guess, well, I mean, I guess you just see him as handsomer than I do. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think that he's, I think that he's traditionally good looking, but sort of in an, a slightly off way that makes him less good looking than all of the other Avengers. I guess I just imagine him as being kind of really average looking, mm. which Chris Parnell is. Like, he's just a normal guy who would not. My thing for him was the vision. You know what? That would have been my second one. And I don't know why. I have no explanation for it. I could just really hear his voice being the vision. I think, yeah, that's what it is. I mean, he's got a great voice for stuff. I mean, I I, I like, I like, I like the vision we have, but I could see that. Yeah. I'm British for no reason. He's a robot. Robots can be anything. <laughs> Farscape. I mean, yes, Farscape, but now I kind of also want to go through and cast every Hollywood Chris who's not already in the MCU in the MCU, but yeah, that, that's for you and I to do in private after this podcast is over. Yeah. Farscape. So John's talking to Chris Parnell, not Chris Parnell, who wants to send a bunch of people up into space to, like, experience what John's experienced, even though... John has not been clear about everything he's experienced, or else not Chris Parnell would not want to send a bunch of people up into space to experience it. Hey, how attached are you to having your eyeballs inside of your head? Because <laughs> I've had to deal with that on multiple occasions, having my eyeballs outside of my head. That is accurate. That is accurate. Anyway, John's- has- Also, what are your feelings on elective brain surgery? Fuck, right? Or, or I guess, no- non-elective <laughs> brain surgery. Non-consensual brain surgery? Yeah. So, they want to send 500 people up into space, and John's like, okay, well, like, the UN should decide who to send up. Like, they should- there should be some sort of task force, they should pick the 500 people, and they should send them on to space- and this guy's like, well, we want it to be all Americans. And John's like... I guess the people that they injected the uh, translator microbes into weren't from the UN then. You're right. I said UN, and even as I said it, I could I could, I could, could see it was like a high-ranking military guy. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this guy's 
Chris Parnell's whatever premise is that the U.S. funded the Farscape project so the U.S. should benefit from the Farscape project. And John's thought process, which he is not sharing with anyone, is, guess what? There are a bunch of really scary alien races out there that if they discover Earth will fucking blow it up. So maybe stop fighting amongst yourselves and come up with some sort of space defense force. And that's just... But he's not willing to tell people, like, about the Skyrens and... Yeah, I don't get that. It seems really weird because he's like, ugh, you humans and your countries. And I'm like, bring up the goddamn multiple armies of space fascists. Let them know that there are dragons coming to kill them! Like, I guess, realistically, there's not very much they could do to prepare for that. But, like, I feel like you're not really doing anyone any favors by playing coy with the whole multiple genocidal races looking for Earth thing. Okay, I was going to bring this up later, but I think I have to talk about it now. Okay. This is something that you can't really, um, that you, you don't know because you haven't watched Stargate. But it's so hard to watch this episode and not compare it to Stargate. Especially at the end of the episode when John's dad is like, don't close up the wormhole, we'll we'll guard it, we'll protect it, we'll keep evil aliens from coming through. <laughs> okay, John's dad. Here's the thing. In Stargate, first of all, in Stargate there is a whole debate about whether they should bring in other nations or if, or if the America should keep the Stargate to themselves. And eventually they realize that, no, they need to have like a whole non-military, all-nations force that acknowledges the Stargate. The Stargate government is basically, like, between Farscape and Star Trek, it's like, wow, what if the government actually wanted what was best for the people and actually did these good things, right? So, in Stargate, there is a wormhole that leads to alien races who want to come and kill us, just like here, and, except they actually come up with a way to guard it and protect Earth. They have the iris. And... Which is just like a big wheat thresher that they open uh, in front of the uh, portal. Okay, so you're you're making a joke because you've never seen Stargate, but you are not far off. Yeah. Wait, I you... mean, I, I assumed it would be something like that, right? I mean, if there's one portal to the place that you don't want people to go, you just set up a giant fan in front of it. So when they come through, they get chapped to bits. Okay, so that the cleanup on that would be terrible. <laughs> It's actually just just have a big garbage bag behind that fan. It's just an impenetrable metal shield so that anybody traveling at warp speed through the wormhole gets smooshed against it. Yeah, that's literally what happens. I'm sorry, is that less gross than what I said? I didn't say it's not gross. I said the cleanup isn't as bad. Well, doesn't that just mean that it's full of guts all the time? Yeah, but on the side that faces the wormhole... I assume so the guts they get take incinerated it down, in the wormhole. Okay, so it's not like whenever they take it down to use it, all these guts spill out. Well, it's an iris. It opens like a, like a camera iris. It's the iris. Also, <laughs> as long as I'm doing a Farscape tangent here. Stargate. Yeah, right. The, the other show that's not Farscape, but really like might as well be because it also has been brought on Claudia Black and wormholes and ancient technology, which unlike in this show, Earth figures out how to use so that there is a space force. Space Force. Right. But they come up with these little boxes that are like, that they're like the Golden Record, you know? The Golden Record is what we sent up into space. Oh, yeah. Okay, so for any of our listeners who don't know, the Golden Record is this thing that we sent up into space. So aliens know what human dongs look like. (laughs) 
Amongst other things, it does have the images of naked two naked humans. Yes, that's accurate. And hey, space, look at our dicks. It's just so beautifully human that we sent a dick pic into space. Well, it's like in First Contact, where Vulcan sent its freakiest Vulcan to do First Contact with Earth. Right, because they, they otherwise were... they wouldn't have shaken hands or anything. Yeah, like, on Vulcan, he basically gets to third base with the first human they ever come in contact with. By Vulcan standard, shaking hands is third base. So... The human guy comes up, he sticks out his hand to the Vulcan, and the Vulcan's like, oh, this planet is down to clown. Okay, so, yeah, the Golden Record, it also has, like, I think a, some some of Beethoven's symphony, some, like, poetry, like, it's it's like, hey, here's humanity, as filtered through a Western lens. And in Stargate, they come up with, like, this little wooden box that has basically that kind of stuff. But it also has, like, a like a radioactive isotope thing, where it's like, hey, look, we do know, we, we, we have nuclear fusion, but not fission. Right? That's, that's, I don't know. No, Whatever. No. Whatever. Um, so the point is, they come up with this really nice intricate box, and they give it to our, you know, we give it to all of our alien friends to be like, greetings from Earth, or whatever. And have then, some radiation. So then, so then, the aliens start throwing it through the, through the Stargate before they come through the wormhole, so that it smashes against the iris, so that we read the radioactive signature, and we're like, oh, it's a friend, open the iris so they don't get smushed. But I'm like, you have these, like, really beautifully, intricately carved wooden boxes, and now they're just, like, passwords that you're smashing <laughs> against the iris, like, repeatedly. There needs to be a better system than that. Now I will talk about Farscape. Farscape. So, John says that his dad is setting up for Christmas, because it's Christmas, and this is a Christmas episode, and his dad wants to pretend that everything's normal, and that... They're a family again because John's been acting so weird since he came back from the space wars. He's showing off the terrible ornaments that John made when he was a child. And John's like, why don't you just bring out embarrassing baby pictures? Show me like, show like bare ass toddler John. And Aaron's like, oh yeah, I want to see naked John. He's like, no. And she's like, I've already seen naked John. (laughs) And she also says to him, so you do this every year? Yeah, I guess peacekeepers don't really have like holidays as a concept yeah why didn't she hit two of the big ones right off the bat yeah she got ha- she got halloween and and yeah she got halloween and christmas right off right away and presumably thanksgiving oh so time travel doesn't necessarily work like that but now that i think about it it was probably like november 1st in yeah. the present which is 2003 the present of 19 years ago yeah so, John's ex-girlfriend from before he went into space shows up at his door when his parents are decorating for Christmas. Well, his dad. Oh, right. His mom's dad. But his sister, his super important sister's here. Yeah. And Cousin Bobby's filming everything for the documentary. You know Cousin Bobby. He's their cousin. Okay. So, it's 2003. I think if this show had been shot, like, even a year later, this episode would have been done handheld documentary style and we would have been watching bobby's documentary instead of a kind of standard shot show yeah i feel like they wanted to go there but they like couldn't quite they 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 didn't quite have the the courage of their convictions to go there it would be a lot harder to do yeah so john's ex-girlfriend goes rat hole to rat hole with him yeah she shows up and she's got mistletoe in her hand 
And she, like, holds it over his head when he opens the door and grabs him and kisses him before he has a chance to say anything else. Okay, so I guess they've reestablished their relationship at this point because it's almost Christmas and it's been several Okay, I totally got the impression that that was, like... The first time she showed up. Although you're right, it's not. Because then after they stop kissing, he's like, Carolyn's here. So I guess they they had... Yeah, I I felt like she was... I, I, I don't know, but, like... It feels weird that she tried to jump back into her relationship with John when he came back to Earth. Yeah. I mean, I they broke up. We learned in Rhapsody in Blue that they broke up right before he went into space. So the fact that he comes back and she's like, hey, let's pick up where we left off, especially because the reasons that they broke up was were, you know, they were kind of being pulled in separate directions by their lives and their careers. And it's like, hey, you know who's going to be pulled, like, really far away by his career? You you want to have the longest distance relationship ever? Is that what you want? Also, she's dating John, sort of, but he's not really dating her. Like, this relationship is happening at John. Yes. Like, she interrupts his doc diary writing to be like, hey, John. And John's like, yeah, okay. He kind of just sits there as she makes out with his face. Mm-hmm. Which, pick up the hint, Susan. Carolyn. Sure. Back at the house, after the doc makeout session and after the Christmas decorating. John is sadly eating popcorn and watching a news story about how aliens exist and that's fucking terrifying. Let's go beat up the Irish or whatever. Yep. And then John's dad, Jack, comes in and is like... Specifically, I want to clarify what I meant by beat up the Irish. The existence of aliens has caused further fracturing among human groups, mm-hmm. like which seems weird, but I guess xenophobia is just the gut reaction to not not even directed at aliens at other human races. They're like, "Hey, things are getting bad between people of different races and nationalities because aliens." Yeah. Yep. So Jack comes in. Jack is now in charge of like. The extraterrestrial liaisoning with Ayasa. Nepotism. Sorry, nepotism. (laughs) And John's like, hey, Dad, remember how you used to be my hero and you were like, space travel is this beautiful thing that's going to unite mankind? What happened to you? And his dad's like, September 11th happened. Yeah, he's like, I grew up, Johnny. September 11th happened. Can you imagine? I, I just, it's... I, I, I know John hasn't been telling them anything about his time in space, but the fact that he's like, you don't know what's been going on on Earth, John. You don't know the real trauma, which, again, this 9-11 was a real traumatizing thing, and it led to so much horrible stuff in real life. But within the context of Farscape, John is directly responsible for multiple genocides. Yeah. Like, I get how it feels like a big deal because, you know, it was a big deal in real life. But in the context of Farscape, it is very much small potatoes. Well, when I said John came back from the Space Wars, I wasn't, like, being glib. I mean, I was being glib. But John legitimately has PTSD, and this show has not shied away from that being a thing. John has... John is changed by what he's gone through. It's really weird that nobody on Earth seems to realize that. Like... John's dad treats him like a petulant child, and DK and his girlfriend treat John like 
like a guy who's trying to hog all the credit on a class project. It's yeah, they're like John. John, why aren't you explaining more to us about how this tech works? And John's like, I don't know how the tech works. Explain internal combustion engines to me. You can't just because you can drive a car. Like, I don't know how the faster than life drive works. Which, you know, I like that. I like I like the kind of reality that he brings this tech back and it's like, but it's not really going to do you any good because it's not as easy as just looking at it and knowing how it works. Well, uh, although to be fair, John does know how a lot of the stuff works and he's just not telling them. Yeah. He also points out that a lot of the, he points out to, I think, Dargo, that a lot of the materials that are needed to make this stuff work are not things on Earth. Yeah, he hasn't done this yet, but later, Dargo's like, they can't even work pulse pistols. Why you, You're not even helping him with that. And John's like, they don't even have shotgun oil, so whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> they can't. I can show them how a pulse pistol works all day, but they don't have bullets, so. Yeah. But I wish we had had more stuff with John and DK. Yeah. Because DK felt like a really important character in the first episode. It's just... It's really weird that this is this is the send-off episode for DK. Spoilers, I'm assuming he doesn't show up this after this. This is the last we will see of DK. And What an ignominious end for DK. As you said, when we were done watching this episode, some Jessies just last longer than others. I said, on a long enough timeline, all DKs become Jessies. Yes. Jesse being a reference to Jesse from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the best, best friend of Willow and Xander, who is killed in the first episode and then never spoken of again. Yeah. Yeah. They're best friends since childhood. Which, not to go completely off track here, but you know the, uh, the there was a new Buffy comic recently where the concept behind it was... What if Buffy was taking place in the modern day? Like right. Like, the events of Buffy had started in 2019 or whenever it started coming out. Okay, uh-huh. And one of the things, uh, it's really hit or miss. I think some of the concepts are really interesting and some of them are not. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that really changes is that Willow is more confident because she came out earlier in life. Mm-hmm. And she and... Buffy form this very intense attachment that kind of excludes Xander. So Xander's a lot more isolated from the rest of the group. Right. And then he like goes full incel, right? He goes full incel, which leads to him, spoiler alert for the new Buffy comic, getting turned by Drusilla. Uh-huh. Which leads to Willow learning magic earlier because she wants to find a way to give Xander his soul back and or change him back from being a vampire. Like, there's a lot of interesting concepts. I'm not really sure how well it pulls it off, but... uh Jesse feels like he should have been a bigger part of this universe. Yeah. Like, I, I read the first volume, and I don't remember him showing up at all, and he should be a more major character. I mean, you know, I, I wrote my I wrote my full house with the serial number scraped off novel that's going to be a whole series. Yes. And that I didn't intend to go in there writing it to save the character of uncle joey who's probably the worst character ever on television yes joseph gladstone is the worst character on television honestly at my office party last night we i I ended up like just totally doing karaoke the whole time i was there and i did you ought to know and you know when there's the instrumental break i'm like imagine imagine feeling this much emotion about dave cool yay uncle joey's the fucking worst anyway (laughs) 
I he ended up being the focus of my book and will probably be the focus of the rest of the series because I just felt a need to rehabilitate him. I was just like, okay, I have to explain why a grown-ass man is acting like this. Like, I have to explore the emotional reasoning behind this behavior. Anyway, my point is, I feel like I might end up doing something similar with a serial number scratched off fanfic of Buffy, and it's going to probably end up focusing on Xander, the second worst (laughs) character on television! And if so, Jesse's probably going to be a big part of it, and the death of Jesse is going to be a much bigger motivating factor in Xander's life. Okay, there's one episode of Buffy in which Xander does not appear. It's conversations with dead people. Yeah. Yeah. And the script originally had him confronting the ghost of Jesse. I... It's a crime. It's a crime that that's not a plot there. But they could not get Eric Balfour back. Are you Would impressed? Would are you impressed that I knew the name of the Are you impressed that I knew the name of the actor who played Jesse? Honestly, yeah, I am. I'm really impressed by that. That's yeah. that's like that's the shit I married you for. But also He the, was on New Charmed. He was a love interest on New Charmed. What? But here's the thing, the fact that you expect me, rightly so, to be impressed by that means it doesn't matter. You could have put any generic white boy in that part and said it was jesse we wouldn't have known the difference you could have said it was jesse's little brother like they did with andrew anyway farscape well that was a long tangent john's gonna bring his dad up into space i mean technically he's in space well they go up to moya and then they're gonna leave but they're not gonna leave the the galaxy or whatever yeah hey you remember last week? They're when- in baby space, the shallow end of space. They're I mean, the shallow end of space. Uh, it, it is the shallow end of space. Hey, you remember last time when Greza was on the ship and she put her little spy guy on the ship? Yeah, the weird shape of water, dude. Yeah, he's still there. Uh, incidentally, I I don't know how accurate this is, but the trivia section on this episode claims that the reason he's green is so that it can be, like, a Grinch riff, since this is a Christmas episode. Boo. Also, he's called, like, a Skeeth. Mm-hmm. And the original title of this episode was Skeeth on Earth and Goodwill to All Men. I would have liked that better, actually. I think Terraform is a good episode. Eh, it's a little generic. Mm. Anyway, John brings... His dad and cousin Bobby onto the ship, and Jack and cousin Bobby go off to look at Pilot, who, as I said, is not appearing in this episode. And when they leave, Dargo says, hey, do you think they know how to open doors? Which is a nice callback to season one, when John was still a, a naive human who didn't know how to open doors. Yeah, John sends his special DRD with them to make sure they don't get eaten by a Gru. 1812. Yes. Yep. And then Dargo's like, so, John, I'm going to go and leave you alone with Aaron, because you two obviously have shit to talk about. And, oh my god, it's fucking tense. How on earth did this episode not mention, Aaron is with with child. child. I know, right? Like, you'd think that would have come up at some point. Also, John should mention to uh, his dad that he is a granddaughter out there amongst the stars or whatever oh my god that's uh it's it's a granddaughter but oh my god although i don't think john knows if it's i don't think john knows uh the gender of the child but yeah she she shows up in like a comic later so we know it's a girl Uh, 
I was about to say John saw a son, but that was just one potential child that they could have had together. And he, I know it was just Ben Browder's real life kid. He, he saw a potential son and a potential daughter. Ah. And they were both Ben Browder's kids. So John talks to Aaron about how she's not fitting in, but he's like, none of us are. I love that he included himself in that. He's like, yeah, none of us are fitting in on Earth. Yeah, it's true. I mean, especially John's being a big old grumpus, which God, why is nobody picking up on that? Like, it's really, I know I've talked about it earlier, but it's really weird that John's family and friends don't mention the fact that he's clearly messed the fuck up from his time in space. I think they want to ignore it. They want to ignore it. And it's, like, bad and irresponsible, but it is it is what it is. I guess they would probably feel guilty for the whole him being blasted into a wormhole thing. Even though that's not their fault at all. Anyway, we see the skeeth on the ship, and... We see the the Graza wipes more boob sweat onto what's his bucket. Yeah, so Graza Graza uses her boob sweat on over on the command carrier, uses her boob sweat to immobilize Braca, and then puts this like chip on his head so that he is channeling the alien and it's this really weird headpiece that's like a big jewel brooch thing. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is how basically he becomes the conduit that the Screeth can talk to through. The Screeth tells Greza, you know, we're at John's planet. I don't know how to get here though, because we came through a wormhole and John's the only one who knows how to use wormholes. And Greza's like, uh, wormholes. That must mean it's inconvenient to get to. Well, hey. it is, because you gotta go through a wormhole. Thank you, Captain Obvious. That was Greza, not you. Okay. I guess she's like Admiral Obvious. She's a captain. I'm pretty sure she's a captain. Anyway. God, Greza sucks. It's been so long since we've had her as a character, but. Mm. I mean, she was back last episode, I guess, but. Yeah. The Screeth wants to just grab John and interrogate him, and Greza's like, okay, everyone tries to interrogate John and it never works out, so no, do not do that. And I appreciate that. That's like the smartest alien commander chasing John moment. I, I don't know. Scorpius has had his fair share. That's fair. That's fair. Oh. I know Scorpius is in a weird friend zone. So we didn't mention this, but we should, that Scorpius is not on Earth with everyone else. I think they decided that would be a bridge too far. Yeah, he's just skulking around the ship, avoiding Greza. He's actually skulking around on the other side of the wormhole so that they can get the fuck out of Earth. He's, like, yeah. keeping in contact with them so that they can get back out of the wormhole. And... Now John has a conversation with Dargo, where he essentially tells Dargo that humans suck. <laughs> and he and he thinks that the whole crew should just get back on Moya and take off and not give the humans anything. And Dargo's like, these are your people. Are you not a human, John? Yeah, don't you want them to be able to, like, defend themselves against the multiple fascist genocidal armies that are out there? Yeah. Although... I mean, honestly, it's not really like it, there. There's not really anything John could give them that would be useful in a. Yeah, yeah. So Aaron takes Jack out to see the other planets, and oh my god, it's so it's so I feel so bad for Aaron. I oh poor Aaron, she's like. So has John said anything about me? Oh. And John Dad is like, no, nah, he never mentions you. He's too busy sticking his. Penis inside that lady who's not the neighbor lady from last episode for some reason. 
He also says, you know, I think that you like John. And she says, I do like John. Does that shock you? And he says, oh, no, no. But I don't think of you as an alien. Like, are you unaware of the concept of microaggressions, Jack? I guess he is because it's 2003. But like. Yeah, I don't think of you as an alien. And Aaron's like. Yeah, that's great, but I am an alien. I am fundamentally an alien, although John thinks that there's some link between our species, and John Dad is like, well done. <laughs> right? Obviously. Obviously. Anyway, he says, yeah, I think John has feelings for you, and she says, you know, I have a complicated relationship with John. Also, I'm pregnant with his duplicates, baby. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. It could be that guy that she recreated with before. Grace. No, no, it could be the guy that she killed. Oh, oh, yeah. Her, like, original boyfriend, who was, like, the one nice peacekeeper before she had him killed by the secret police. Yeah. But let's be clear, it's John's baby. Yeah, it's, well, John's duplicate. John, it is genetically John Crichton's child. It's a complicated relationship, is what I'm saying. It's Hank Pym's son, William. Do you know the deal with his son, William? No, tell me that deal. Okay, during Secret Invasion... A scroll took Hank Pym's place. Okay. And while posing as Hank Pym, the scroll got Tigra pregnant. Okay. Now. But since he had Hank Pym's identical DNA, it is Hank Pym's child. It is genetically half Hank Pym. Oh yeah. So it's it's that, except without the weird non-consensual bit. Yeah. Anyway, on Earth in Farscape, Chiana's wrapping presents, and Zakozu is on the phone with the government. Who want her to submit to a probing, and she's like, no. Hard pass. The U.S. government seems to understand consent, though, because they're not going to force her. They're just trying to talk her into it. And Shiana's overhearing, like, Sokozu's half of the conversation, and she's like, that sounds like a fun night. Let's do it. Yeah, probes ahoy. (laughs) I kind of love Shiana a lot. She and uh, Naranti are singing Christmas carols, but they're doing it in technically correct English. Not technically correct, but like... So, Naranti has a a book of sheet music, and she's, like, phonetically sounding out the words to sing the Christmas carols. Which is cute. It's a cute thing. It is. It is. But Sokozu, who understands English, is like, no, that's terrible! Stop! This planet sucks. You all suck. I'm out. I'm leaving. Goodbye forever, losers. She is so done with Earth. Reg is like, I think you're just hungry. You should eat something. The food here is amazing. And she's like, I'm supposed to only eat once every, like, month. Because remember, her, her race only eats. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, John is elsewhere talking to his dad. They've landed back on Earth. And they have this argument where essentially Jack is like, this is what's best for humanity. I know what's best. I'm in charge of alien-human relations. And John has hit this hit this point in the hero's journey where he knows things now. To accidentally quote into the woods. Yes, I was about to say, he's Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah, John knows things now. And his expertise is to be respected at this point and his dad does not yet respect that but he will by the end of the episode by the end of this episode john will go from hero worshiping his dad to his dad understanding that john has the ability and the knowledge to make his own like decisions and that those decisions at this point are the right decisions so we've talked a little bit about revertigo i think mostly in our charmed podcast 
but it's the thing where you sort of see a person you haven't seen in a long time through the context of how you knew them back then. Mm-hmm. It's like how a lot of people who left home directly after adolescence still feel like teenagers around their parents. Well, I think most people are familiar with the concept that it's hard to feel like an adult around your parents. I mean, that's just a fact. Yeah, but in this, Jack is really not appreciating the grand scope of things that John has been through. Because he's still talking, he's like, I'm the military dad and you're my son who doesn't know anything about you know, the big, tough, real world, and John's like, I've caused multiple genocides, which I'm not going to bring up at any point in this episode, but... Yeah, John John knows a little bit about how the world works now, Jack. John knows how the universe works much, 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 much better than you. Yep. There's actually this really good bit in the earlier scene with uh, Jack and Aaron, where Jack's like, I'm the farthest out into space any human has been. And Aaron's like, no, you are not. Yes. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I should have brought that up when that scene happened. The way that John is completely missing from his father's calculations. And yeah, yeah. No, Jack, you're not, you're not further from Earth than any human has been. You're, sat, you're, you're at Saturn, okay? Saturn. You haven't even left your own solar system, so take it down a notch. Meanwhile, the Grinch alien eats DK and his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, he tortured, you know, I'm saying he, but this, this is a, I think it's pretty clear there's a female inside of this bodysuit. It might be a female alien. Is this the once-a-season appearance of Ben Browder's wife? Ben Browder's wife is not the person inside of that suit, but I was going to be like, hey, hey, it's 2003. <laughs> Women can be homicidal aliens, too. Hey, we all saw the Species movies. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, actually, but I read the back of those boxes <laughs> at Blockbuster. Anyway, the Skeeth uh, basically kill. Basically. The Skeeth does kill... DK and DK's girlfriend slash wife. I'm pretty sure she's his wife now. Yeah. And reports back to Greza. Hey, it turns out that not all humans can resist interrogation. These people folded real fast. And John has not shared wormhole knowledge with anyone else on Earth yet. I mean, they were complaining about that when the skeuth entered the garage. It didn't feel like something he needed torture to find out. Torture and murder, but. Yeah. Anyway, uh. Greza is, Greza has this frustration now because she's like, great, so John's the only one who knows about wormholes. And the ski says, well, then let's just kill him and then no one will know about wormholes. And she's like, okay, but we want to know about wormholes, so we need to capture John alive. But to do that, I need to get to where he is. And, and to do that, I need to know how to work wormholes. Ugh, Greza. In John's living room, he's talking to his sister about, like, who am I now? Like, do I want to be the John that I used to be who lives on Earth and is happy or not? Can I even be that person anymore? He's looking through an old photo album. Okay, I'm sorry, but I feel like they shouldn't have introduced his sister for John. I think that this should have just been his ex-fiance. You're right. They didn't... You're right. This did overcomplicate things. Yeah. You have one female Earth character... Mm-hmm. Who's John's ex fiance who is interested in getting back with him, but he's not interested in her. Don't have them making out, don't have that. Just have this person who's trying to figure out John and then admits to Aaron later in the episode. Yeah, no, he, he wants you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
John tells his sister that there's a lot of stuff that he hasn't told his dad because his dad would tell the government and the government can't know what's going on in the rest of the universe. And she says, is it bad? And he's like, no, no, it's fine. It's not bad. Don't don't worry about it. (laughs) I know, right? Again, like, on one hand, I feel like he should prepare them. But on the other hand, there's realistically nothing they can do. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, what would be the point of saying there's multiple genocidal armies out there and your only chance is that they don't find you? Because there's nothing you can really do with that. Yep. Yep. And we learn that John uses pop culture references to communicate with everyone, not just aliens, because he does the thing, the E.T. thing, where he, like, puts his finger on his sister's head and he's like, be well. Don't worry. She's like, so, when you head back to space? <laughs> oh, Now it's the next day. Aaron is coming home from shopping and she has, like... Um, no, no, it's Aaron. Aaron was on her shopping. Dargo, Dargo asked Tiana, he's like, did you buy the whole planet? And she's like, this is Aaron's shit. It's all of these wrapped boxes that are apparently presents for John. We don't see in this episode what they are. And Dargo's like, um, she's not going to buy John not being mad at her anymore. Because John's mad about the whole, like, running off with his duplicate and now being sad that the duplicate's dead and not wanting to have a relationship with him and also being pregnant with what is and and is not his child maybe or maybe it's that other guy's kid Uh, anyway well she did offer to be with him but he's like no right because he's still mad at her yeah 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 anyway things are complicated with them and dargo's like yeah john's john hasn't forgiven her this isn't this isn't gonna she can't buy his affection back and chiana says to dargo you know not all men hold grudges forever Shana, you fucked his son. Yeah, you, uh, you, 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 you come, had sex with his child. You, you cannot come back from that. I'm sorry. You just can't. These are different situations. So, meanwhile, Bobby, Bobby, right? That's Bobby. The, mm-hmm. Bobby's interviewing John's girlfriend. He's like, so, you're having sex with my cousin. What's that like? And she's like, it's pretty fantastic. But then she sees Aaron come out and is like, oh, maybe we shouldn't talk about this right now. And Aaron's like, you're right to stop talking about fucking John when I come, because I used to fuck John, too. You, I can tell that you sensed that. And even though I stand before you right now in this Canadian tuxedo, I think it's important that you know that I am way hotter than you, and I have been there. Because <laughs> she's wearing the sister's clothes, which Ye- is apparently a denim shirt and jeans. Yes. And... The girlfriend, ex-fiance lady, uh-huh. she's like, you know, I've always sensed that John's really into you and not me, by the way, that he never moves when we kiss, and the fact that he's constantly shooting moon eyes at you, and- And also the fact that he keeps saying there's nothing going on with you, and Aaron's like, if he says there's nothing going on with me, then how could that possibly mean he's into me? And she's like, no, no, you don't understand. He says all the time, oh, no, 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 there's nothing going on. And Aaron's like, that doesn't make any sense. And Carolyn's like, yeah, you don't get humans, don't worry about it. It's an Earth thing. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the s- speaking of down to clown. The sexiest, the sexiest, um, oh God, I just. Bomb making seminar? Yes. Okay. So Sakozu has decided, fuck all of the people on this planet. I'm going to go back and bone Scorpius. I, I love, I love how like. How hot for each other these two are. I, You know what? This might be, like, one of my new... Th- th- you know, as a result of this rewatch, 
I mean, John and Aaron are whatever. John and Aaron are always going to be my heart, okay? But this might be, not counting that, my favorite relationship on this show. Like, they're just these two, they're just these two people who have been brutalized by the Scarens and have decided that they're going to blow up everything else in their path and fuck each other along the way. Yeah, yeah. It's weird because we talk about Sukosu like she's part of the team, but she's really not. She's just there because she wants to fuck Scorpius, who, like, grabs her neck in a very, like, sensual way. Like, oh my, it's it's a scene. Okay, sorry, we, we should say what's happening, which is that he has turned the transport pod that he's chilling on into a bomb because he decided that if the command carrier comes back, he's going to blow up the wormhole so that Greza cannot go through it and get to John and get the wormhole knowledge. Fair. And, yeah. And... I love, I love Sakosu's like, how would you survive then? He's like, I wouldn't. And she's like, that can't be right. That cannot possibly be right. I mean, he survived a lot of stuff. And then she offers to basically turn the other transport module into a bomb so that they can both blow it up and make sure it happens. Like, hey, you know what would be really sexy if we both blew up? What what if we kissed at the exploding transport pods outside of the wormhole to Earth? It's that bit in American Dad with that guy who has the who has a fetish for the sun exploding. Yes, yes. It's gonna be so bright. Back on Earth, there's like this weird Christmas party at Ayasa. It's the saddest Christmas party ever, and Shiana even says that. And John's like. Yeah, that's because it's a photo op. And it's like, no, John, the party is not sad because it's a photo op and not a real party. The party is sad because production only brought in, like, ten extras. Yeah, it's like ten white dudes in suits milling around by some plastic standee tables. There's, like, half-hearted Christmas decorations stuck on a chalkboard. Like, this is... This is Chiana's right. This is the saddest party ever. It's in like an airplane hangar. Well, it's the hangar where the ships are. So it's like where all the science stuff has been happening. Oh boy, an office party. (laughs) Jack gets up to give a speech and he's like, hey, I just want everyone to know right now, because, you know, there's press here. Right now, well, the government can't censor me. I want everybody to know that... We're going to share the Farscape technology with all of the other nations because my son is right and I have made emotional growth and I acknowledge where he is in the arc of this hero's journey. Take that, Joseph Campbell. And by take that, I mean you were 100% correct. This is the moment where the father figure symbolically dies. My MVP extra, which I know isn't a thing for this show, but my MVP extra is the guy who's standing behind John during this speech because he keeps looking... To both sides, I think, in an effort to not look in the camera, but as a result, he kind of just looks like he's really bored and barely paying attention. <laughs> I mean, it is a really boring party, other than the fact that, you know... Aliens? Yeah, and also this giant revelation and sharing shit with the other countries, and... Yeah. Jack's gonna get killed. All those journalists are gonna get disappeared. They're all gonna be banned off Twitter so that they can't uh, share this information. Oh, Elon Musk is really speed running something there. Right. Chris Parnell, or not Chris Parnell, is so mad. We just spent a long time looking at his face where he's so angry. And then... Yeah, Jack is definitely getting disappeared right after this. Mm-hmm. And then John and Jack have a moment to talk where John's like, how come you backed me? And Jack's like, because you were right. And John's like, thanks, Dad. 
So they're getting in the car to go home, and we see the we see the skeeth uh, cape fearing onto the car so that he can see their he can figure out where their home is. Hey kids, who wants to drive through a cactus patch? Back at the Creighton Manor. Aaron has shown up to bring all of the books and clothes back to John's sister. Uh, apparently she brought a bunch of books as well as clothes. And she's back in her peacekeeper uniform and she's like, yeah, your clothes are super uncomfortable. I'm not doing that anymore. And also, I'm not going to hang around tomorrow to open Christmas presents with you. I need to go back to Moya for ship reasons. The ship needs me. Yeah, and John's sister's like, not buying it. What happened? And Aaron's like... I don't really know you well enough to get into that. Yeah. Meanwhile, Chiana's trying to blow a guy in the middle of this party because it's so boring. Let me tell you how much I do not blame Chiana. Like, Dargo drags her away and and he's like, don't worry, she doesn't understand Earth Customs. And I'm like, I mean, I guess she doesn't understand Earth Customs, but man, I am right with you, Chiana. Now they're alone in the parking garage and Dargo smells like the scent of death. Okay, so nobody has been in this parking garage for the past few days. I mean, well, I mean, how these people are pretty rotted. Like, and by these people, I mean DK, John's best friend, and some lady. DK's wife. No, I mean, like, she wasn't really a character. No, yeah, it's true. It's true. She wasn't. What's weird to me is later on, I was thinking. Well, John doesn't know that DK died, but he must because Dargo found the body. Also, you're right. Those bodies decomposed really fast, but I have to assume that it's not that the bodies decomposed fast, but that whatever the Skeeth did to them, like... Rotted them. Yeah. Yeah. This is my one big thing about this episode, which is I really feel like we should have gotten more stuff between John and DK. Like... I agree. No, no, I agree. We did not spend enough time with that relationship. It was so important at the beginning. We could have cut... We could have cut the scene with Caroline on the dock and made that be a scene with DK. Yeah. Yeah. We could have cut all of the Bobby stuff. I mean, Bobby... Bobby was just in the background of scenes handheld videotaping it. He yeah, wasn't taking up time. Yeah. But yeah, the time probably could have been allocated better. Yeah. But... Which feels weird to say because normally my main problem with Farscape is the pace, but this is a pretty well-paced episode. Yeah, a lot of stuff happens in, a, in you know, a normally a, a normal timed episode. It's not that weird three-color episode where they had to do everything three times because the God. script wasn't long enough. So John returns to the Crichton Manor, and Aaron's there. She's like, I was just dropping off some stuff for your sister. I'm getting out of here. Hey, do you want me on Earth or not? And he's like, it's your choice. And she goes, no. Do you want me on Earth or not? And it's the, the, this conversation. It's so brutal and raw and painful. And Claudia Black is just giving her all. I love this scene. And then from the other room, Jack's like, Aaron, are you joining us for dinner? And she's like, no, it's clearly a family thing. I am heading out. And he's like, well, come hang with us. Pretend you're family. And she's like, uh. she's like crying. And she's like, no, Jack, I gotta go. So just... Nobody's picking up on very, very obvious things then. They're all choosing not to. And John leans in. It seems like maybe things are going to be okay and he's going to kiss Aaron. And then the Skeeth shows up and ruins everything by attacking everyone. Okay, so the Skeeth kills John's sister, right? No, she's okay. Seriously? It looked like it snapped her neck. No, no, we go back to her. She's okay. Okay. So yeah, the Skeeth... But yeah, I mean, like, she should have. (laughs) 
It really looked like he broke her neck, but mm-hmm. she's fine. She leaned into it. Or yeah. I guess leaned against it. I don't know. No, no, into it. Into she, it. She's fine. Gunplay, gunplay, gunplay. Yeah, I actually, it's a really great action sequence because the skeet has the ability to, like, disappear and reappear. So it's, like, jumping around all over the place. Aaron's shooting at it. John! It looked so intimidating when it briefly showed up last episode. And I know it can do invisibility, which is good because visibility is not this thing's friend. It's like the shark from Jaws. You want to see it as little as possible. John uses the... The forgetting potion that Naranti made for him to blast the the skeeth briefly. It throws Aaron through a glass coffee table. Oof. It's that's an amazing effect, by the way. That's great for babies, right? Oh, she's fine. She's a she's a peacekeeper. Her body can handle it. It chases John Where do you see where do you see the birth scene? It chases John upstairs. The camera, like, angle starts shifting. It's real horror movie. It's real amazing. It's definitely taking its cue from Alien. They fight. They go over the railing on the second story. Aaron manages to, like, recover from going through a glass coffee table and get the gun and shoot the chandelier off the ceiling so that it falls and impales the skeeth. It's pretty good action sequence. I mean, that's... Yeah. Pretty amazing action sequence. And then and then on the command carrier, Brack is like, ah, I'm dying, I'm dying. And Grace is like, what's happening? Oh my god, she's the worst. <laughs> it's so good. It's so, I don't know. I don't think it's supposed to be a moment of levity, but I laughed. <laughs> and then the skeeth dies. John's like, I better make sure everyone's okay. And he's going around making sure everyone's okay. Except the security guy who got thrown through a brick wall. Oh yeah, he's he's dead. The security guard's dead, but Jack and Olivia, the named characters, the the, Cri- the the Crichton characters are okay. Surely the Simpson children will be spared. <laughs> then Dargo shows up in Lolan, which is good, because the Skeeth jumps up for one last jump scare, and Dargo shoots it with the ship and blows it up. And, like, shoots through the wall of the house. It's like Scream, you gotta kill him twice. Exactly. It's like, all horror movies are like that. So God, that scene in Scream 5 was so great. Yes. When they're going after the killer and like, Sydney, spoilers, I guess I'm going to say the names of two of the characters who survived to the point of the confrontation with the final killer, but just the way Sydney and Gail handle the situation. Yeah. Like they've been through this so many times before. They're and that, like, yeah, this is. Well, that, that bit with Sydney's like, you ready? And Gail's like, I'm never ready, but yeah. And then they just, they fucking take care of it. I. I love it. it's it's a really good passing of the torch moment. Yes, because it's clear Sydney's not going to be in any more of these. And Nev Campbell has said she's not going to be. But it's a it's such a great place for Sydney because it leaves it off with. I mean, by this point in the series, you should know, but Sydney is going to kill you if you <laughs> yes if you try to be Ghostface and go after Sydney. Do not she fuck is with Sydney Prescott. Yeah. And they set up someone else who you can go after and have it still feel connected to the rest of the franchise. We've got fresh victims now. You don't need Sydney anymore. And it's nice that they gave her a good ending. Yes. Yes. I, Outside I, of all the trauma, I guess. Yeah. Speaking of trauma, Aaron stands up from all the wreckage and says a line that was apparently ad-libbed by Claudia Black. She says, Merry Freling Christmas. It's pretty great. Oh, pretty great. Yeah. 
So, yeah, the Moya crew's basically going to get the fuck out now. They're like, Earth sucks, eat it, losers, space time. Yeah, we see everyone except for John getting on the ship and loading stuff up. Oh, I bet John's going to stay behind forever. Well, I mean, we know he's not. Like, in fact, Aaron is, she has all those wrapped gifts that we're not going to see in this episode. And she's like, it's not the right time to give them to John now. Just put him in the cargo bay. And Rigel's like, put all of the food in my quarters. They have, like, so much food. Also, we get a brief scene of, uh, what's her bucket? Boob lady. Graza and Braca. Yeah, Graza, boob sweating Braca into thinking, hey, I didn't use you as a telepathic conduit to control a monster. We were just having sex. Yep, recreating. And he's like, okay, sure, I believe that. But back to Moya. Yeah, Aaron uh, approaches Naranti and is like, hey, uh, this vial of powder that John used on the alien, I know you made it. What the fuck is it? And Naranti's like, it's so that John can forget. And Aaron's like, forget who? And Naranti's like, really? She Really? She literally just like kind of gives her a look and turns and walks away. Her eye, her third eye glows purple and she's like, hmm. And she just turns around. Mm Mm-hmm. Back on Earth, John's sister gives John John's mother's ring. Yeah, it's his his mother's wedding ring. Olivia has it. Like, they gave it to Olivia after his mother died. And she's like, I'm not going to use it. I think maybe there's someone that you might want to propose to before this series ends. So I'm going to give you the ring. I'm just saying, just throwing that out there. Would have been a stronger moment if it was John's ex-fiance. No, no. Because John can't repurpose the ring like that. No, it would not have been a stronger moment. John... It could have been Jack giving him the ring, though. But John can't repurpose a ring that he gave to his ex-fiancé. No, his ex-fiancé giving it back to him would have been a really, like, this this ring belongs to someone else. No. Mm-mm. I'm, I, I am saying, like, you can't, if you, even if it's, like, a family ring, if you've used it to propose to one person and that marriage falls through, you can't use it to propose to another person. It's burned. If Caroline had ever worn that ring, he can't give it to Aaron. I'm sorry, that's just a fact. Very strong feelings on uh, ring significance. I, I, I feel like 100% of our listeners will back me on this. But it could have been Jack giving him the ring. We didn't need a sister. In fact, it might have been strong. You know what? No. God. Ugh. No. Oh, I'm so mad now. I'm so mad now. I mean, it's okay because there's still... It, it would have been better if it was Jack and not Olivia. Because remember, the last time he left Earth... Jack gave John the puzzle ring, which was oh, so yeah. important because it's what saved him in that moment. And it was the thing that, like, was connecting him to Earth. And if now he God, gave him his been... mother's ring, that would have been, like, a whole full circle thing. Like, the puzzle ring was, you were going to come back to me. And now this is me giving you this ring because I specifically know you're not going to come back to me. And I've had this conversation with Aaron, and I know you're going to give this ring to Aaron. And that, that means that you're going to be tied to your life in space and basically never come back to Earth. Yeah, it should have been Jack, not Olivia. I mean, that that kind of that you can kind of still have that underlying moment with it being Olivia instead of Jack because they're they're still like the family connection. The moments still did happen, but anyway, John leaves. He's not coming back. Yeah, and Jack's like, "We're gonna take care of Earth for you, son, because this is your home. Remember that." And John's like, "Sure, okay, Dad, whatever." He hugs his dad and he gives him a, a little kiss, which. Feels like a parallel thing to him kissing himself in the last episode. Yes, it is. Which makes sense because that was him kind of... Both of these moments are him moving on from his past and being like, look, that was past me. I'm a different person now. And this is him being like, look, I I have grown up now. I am my own hero now. 
And then he walks back to Moya in slow motion, which I think was probably supposed to look cool, but really did not work for me. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. It 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 just it it felt like something out of Baywatch Nights. <sighs> And that's the end of the episode. That's the end of the episode. I I, I like this episode a lot. There, I a couple of very minor quibbles aside, it really feels like a missed opportunity to do something with DK. Yeah, uh, yeah. But for the most part, I feel like this episode brings so many arcs like around full circle. It also moves things forward. Like it's simultaneously bringing things full circle and moving things forward. John is at the point now where he has. I know that the monologue changed ages ago. He's no longer looking for a way home. He's now look upward and see the wonders that I've seen. But now he has. He has returned home. That's that's part of it, right? He goes on he goes on a journey. He becomes a different person. He comes home. He sees how he has become a different person. He sees all the lessons he has learned and now it is time for him to go out. It is time for him to go out and fight the peacekeeper wars. I mean, not yet. We have a few more episodes, but that's yeah, John John has come into his own by the end of this episode. I guess it's okay that he didn't tell anyone about the alien armies. Well, as you said, what are they going to do? Yeah. I mean, he could just be like, space is really dangerous, yo. You don't want any part of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. My eyes have been literally outside of my head on multiple <laughs> occasions. The next episode of Farscape is Twice Shy, and according to the Peacock description... Alright, seriously, Farscape has been bouncing all over the streaming services, but it is now on Peacock. According to the Peacock... Which is actually nice for us, because Peacock also has Charmed, so now Farscape and Charmed are on the same service. Woo! For the, like, four episodes we have left. Right. The next episode of Farscape is called Twice Shy, and the Peacock description is Chiana purchases an abused slave girl from a passing trade ship. That's nice of her. I'm assuming it goes horribly wrong. I think that might be the case, yes. On this episode of Farscape, nothing happens. Everything's groovy. 40 minutes of awkward small talk. We have some segments. Yes, we have some segments. Like John, we have also visited a distant part of the universe where we talk- Earth. (laughs) I know, right? We talk about world building usually, but here it's Earth. Although I actually think that- I mean, it's interesting to acknowledge the fact that because of 9-11, the planet John is coming home to is radically different from the planet he left. Yeah. You know, uh, so 2003, right? We are talking 19 years ago. Mm-hmm. And 9-11, that happened in 2001, right? So yeah. any of our listeners who are 21 or younger? I mean, honestly, probably. Or, older, right, yeah, or, yeah, or, like, or, yeah, who are, any of our listeners who are younger than, like, seven. Anyone who can't actively remember what 9-11 was like? Yeah, might not... I mean, obviously, I'm sure everyone intellectually knows because you get told all the time how much that changed everything. But it really did radically alter not just the political landscape, but like what politics felt like. Yeah. So, yeah, John, John left a different Earth than the one he returned to, even though he he got the wormhole calculations correct. I like that 
we kind of, we had John's paranoia about what was going to happen when he returned to Earth, right? Mm-hmm. We had a human reaction and we had a dog with two bones. And in a way, they he were... He was right about everything. Yeah, but it, it wasn't... His his predictions were grimmer than what ended up happening. But also, he was fundamentally right. Like, he just... He underestimated the ability of his friends to be like, fuck this shit, let's go back to space. But... Yeah, the main difference between this and uh, the dog with the bone, dog with two bones, uh is that everyone left after a month here. Three months, but yeah, yeah. Like John, we have encountered strange alien creatures. What creature design worked for you in this episode? Not the thing. Screeth. Like, I liked it when we saw it for like three seconds last episode. But, like, it looks just like a crappy version of the alien from Aliens. I, it does. I want to say that I appreciate that it kind of looked fake and plasticky, and they did what they could to make it work, right? The alien has the ability to phase in and out of visibility so that we don't have to see it a lot. It can, like, be jumping around a lot. It's Pete's fucking dragon. (laughs) We have 20 minutes of animation... I'm sorry, we have like 10 minutes of animation. Spread that across an entire movie. He's invisible for most of the movie. And also, they had it communicate by being filtered through Braca, which meant that they didn't have to make that mouth move, which is good, because I don't think that prosthetic would have looked good moving. Like John, we have looked upward to the wonders he has seen. What emotionally resonated with you this episode? Honestly, I really like the talk between Aaron and John's dad. Oh, I'm glad we didn't say the same thing because I I literally cried when Aaron was having the conversation with John where she's like, just tell me, do you want me to stay on Earth or not? Like, just... Importantly, he did not get the chance to answer. It seemed like he was going to kiss her, but then they were interrupted by the fucking screech. Thanks, aliens. <laughs> who aren't Aaron. Oh, I don't think of you as an alien. So that'll about do it. Yeah, I think that's it for this week. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Rosa, Ryan, Maracruz, Benjamin, Kate, Jen, and Dan. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you can tweet at us at I Love TV Zines, or you can email us at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. Bong episode of Earth.